0: for me a lot today but this time I am excited but I'll be honest in saying I am extremely challenged this message is something I've never done before something that will challenge me to preach it and still make it applicational and something that hopefully will challenge you to look at a different angle I don't know about you but this year hasn't been easy it's been a journey to say the least And there have been multiple detours and stops along the way. I don't know how you feel about your life, your singleness, your job, the lack of income. Maybe some of y'all lost jobs this year, lost loved ones. This journey has not seemed normal. And I thought about how do I approach us getting into the new year, but also honoring Christmas that was yesterday. And I wanted to map out the journey of Jesus's birth and soon after. So what you're going to see is a geographical sermon mixed with timelines and dates, just to get hopefully all of us to understand, even in his coming, that took sacrifice, even in his coming and his travel, it was not what you would say was a normal childbirth. And before I, I know I got to dive in right now, but I want to say this. If, if you know anything about delivering a baby, the first thing you do is, you, you, you know, something happens, something, and then you go, to the, you go to the hospital. That's it. You just take one journey. And I just want you to watch the complexity of Jesus fulfilling what he was supposed to fulfill, even while being detoured on his journey. And I pray that many of us will relate, because this has been a very trying year. Let us pray together. Dearly Father, I know and I pray right now that all of our hearts are prepared and excited about what you're going to do through your word. I'm not preaching anything outside, just an angle that I'm not used to. But I want to thank you for illuminating the Scripture through the Holy Spirit, that this angle was revealed, and I hope that it will communicate clearly to your people that everything that I say and do is for your glory, that nothing I do is for self glorification. that I want people to see a clear picture of even you leaving your glory coming to earth was full of detours, trials, and tribulations even before you started your ministry on earth. My prayer is that they will see you fulfill your word even outside of people's plans and what they thought was a detour was absolutely what you wanted. So, God, I pray that we will keep the same faith, that we will recognize that no matter what our year was this year, that we are excited because you still have and woke us up this morning. You still have got us a mighty long way, and we still have a ways to go. So, God, I love you. I thank you for your Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and you're going to see me scatter out, so I'm not going to make you stand up and read it, but I'm going to say it and start it like this. How many of you like road trips? Good. Put your hand down. Y'all don't drive. Now, the second thing— It's usually kids, right, where you get to go and experience different restaurants. You get to go out and chill, and you get to enjoy a road trip. Now, I don't know if any of y'all are like me, though. I don't necessarily enjoy the road of the trip. I don't mind getting to the destination. That's the fun part, right? You get to where you want to go, and then the fun begins. But as far as traveling, all I see is one destination to the next. I don't want to stop. I don't want you to pee. I don't want you to think about it. Pee before we leave. We got eight hours to go. Hold it hold it. And we'll talk about this road trip because many people like the detour. They like to see the road and they like to take the side road to the road because they want to experience what the country looks like. They don't want to use highways. People are just like that. They different. They're not normal. But normal people like myself, we are like, yo, get in the car. I don't know how many y'all like me. How many y'all tell y'all kids to pee before we leave? Yeah, I ain't stopping. Bathrooms ain't clean these days, except that Boosie's. Nah, that's some lady literally mispronounced it and said Boosie's. Now, not many people are like that. They're weird like that. And I think my life is very similar. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the detour of my life. I have a plan. How many of y'all wake up with a plan every day? I'm going to do this at this time, wake up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to work out, I'm going to do this. And then after I do that, I'm going to go to work, come home, and then after I'm going to eat dinner. And then after dinner, then I'm going to sit on the couch, watch my favorite show, watch a basketball game. Then I'm going to go here and I'm going to do my devotions and I'm going to, boom, bed, wake up, repeat the same thing. But some of us like to experience the day. We want to try different restaurants on our lunch break. If you like me, my lunch break is only to work so I can get done. That's what it is. But then God often throws these detours in our life. And I don't know how many of you, it feels like 2021 was just a straight detour. 2020 was a detour. 2019 feels like a detour. Like God's like, no, 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 you had a plan. You said by this time I would have finished my degree. By this time I would have been married. By this time I would have had kids. By this time we would have been empty nesters. By this time, and God is like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. I want you to go this way. Let's take this detour. I want you to see the country roads. Let's take this side. I want you to see this. And God, you were like, no, God, I had a road trip. I was supposed to pee before I left, and I wanted to get from A to B. The only stop I get is if I run out of gas. Other than that, give me a vacation and I'm going to keep pushing. I want to see, if you see Jesus' journey real quick, I want to see if you experience what Jesus went through just on the journey of birth and before ministry, how many stops it took, but every stop was purposeful. Every stop had a plan. Every stop that God puts in your life, He wants it there. Every stop that you thought was a bad news, and you shouldn't be here, and I should be here by now, and I, I don't know why we're stopping so much. I don't know why this enemy's in my life. God is saying, I got a plan for that. I can fulfill that. I can do this. Just, I, I'm going to get you to your destination, but it's my destination. And when it's my destination, I can detour you all I want because every stop has a purpose. So I want you to turn to Matthew 2. We're going to start in verse 1. And when we get to verse 1, I want you to enjoy just the geography and just the mileage. I want you to act like you've got a good car for this Sunday. You ain't worried about the mileage. You just got it. You, it's on zero. You just just ready about the road trip. Watch this. It says in Matthew chapter 1, it says, now after Jesus was born, Matthew chapter 2 picks up where Luke chapter 2 gives you the background. The first stop along this road trip was that he had to travel before he was even born. While in Mary's womb, he had to leave, right? And he had to go to Bethlehem. He had to go to Bethlehem because somebody inconvenienced the stay. What happened? The Roman government said we need to do a census. What is a census? They had to collect and count everybody that was under the Roman Empire, which was a lot of people. So now Joseph, now I don't know if you know this historical fact, shouldn't he even took Mary? Because they weren't even married yet. So she should have had to count herself. But Joseph, being a husband who received the same dream, just said, you know what? I'm going to be obedient. Mary, we're going on a road trip. We're going to start this road trip, even though it's inconvenience in us. I'd rather be here in Nazareth. I'd rather be here where I want to be. I'd rather just start our little belonging right here. But somebody inconvenienced them, and it seemed like that shouldn't have happened. But all along the way, even in the first point, I want you to understand that even when things seem inconvenient, God has a plan. Even when you're like, this doesn't make sense. I had a child really young. It doesn't make sense. It seems inconvenient that you your dating life has sputtered and is, you keep swiping right and nothing has happened. It seems inconvenient that your marriage has the same argument over and over again. And God is looking at you saying, I don't mind the inconvenience because in the inconvenience, even if the government seems like they're inconveniencing you, how many people are in an uproar right now because the government seems like they're inconveniencing you? They're making you do this, wear a mask, get booster shots, all the things that you, many people are arguing all over Twitter about. They make you think that everything is an inconvenience, but my God's looking at you like, don't worry about the inconvenience. Because right now, in the beginning of this verse, it says, now after he was born in Bethlehem, even before he got to Bethlehem, that was extreme inconvenience. Picture riding while you're pregnant. You know, it wasn't no car. Picture you sitting on a donkey, riding for miles days, on a donkey just doing this while pregnant, and you tell me that is not an inconvenience. You know what I found about people, and we'll get to this verse, is that anytime somebody steals your inconvenience, we say it's stealing somebody's peace. Anytime that somebody steals your comfort, we think it's not God. Anytime people make you uncomfortable, anytime you're on a donkey and you don't want to be here for miles upon miles, anytime your detour, detour takes too long, we think that's not God. And God's looking at you like, I can use this. I have a plan for this. I don't mind your discomfort. Often I've found, though, is in your discomfort is when God is moving the most, because He's taking you out of where you want to be. He, you, you don't want to be here. You don't want to do this. You don't want to be at church. You didn't want to wake up this morning. You were like, man, I hope he preached a good sermon this Sunday because I came out of sacrifice. And God, let me know every inconvenience is for your growth. Anytime you feel like it shouldn't belong there, God is saying, I can use that. My prayer is that when you see the first inconvenience of being born in Bethlehem, you will realize that watch what happens in the beauty of this verse. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, that is important. Why? Because just in this verse alone, he is completing prophecy in Micah 5, chapter 2. I know you're like, Peter, you're doing a lot of facts. You're doing a lot of study. But bear with me. Because in Micah 5, chapter 2, it talks and tells us what? That there will be a Savior that comes out of where? Bethlehem. It was necessary. And in in Micah, just you don't mind turning there with me really quick, just Micah 5, chapter 2, it says, But as, far, but as for you, Bethlehem. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From the one will go forth for me to be ruler of Israel. That's a beautiful start. Is that even in the inconvenience and discomfort, guess what God said? I had, I prophesied that this would happen at this time. Do you know that what you can't see, what you think is out of order in your life, what you think doesn't match your to-do list, God still sees it, knew about it, planned for it, and still had plans for it. Do you know that the things you're like, well, I shouldn't have to be on this trip like this. I should be having this in my life and that in my life. God's looking at you like, I already knew you wouldn't be where you were supposed to be by now or where you wanted to be. But Bethlehem was necessary. Did you recognize that it said Bethlehem was too small to be a clan itself? That he was born in an insignificant town that nobody really cared about? But if you look at the verse carefully, it says Bethlehem of Judea. This is important. Because guess what lineage Jesus had to come from? David. Guess where David ruled? Judea. So even in the lineage, in the geography of where David ruled and where where David where Jesus was supposed to come from, this all mattered because the village mattered. Now, I'm going to take a sidestep for a second. I want you to stick with me. This sermon I told you is going to be a little difficult to follow. But I want you to get this person that enters into the story. We're going to have some characters pop in and out. But I can't skip over Herod. Because Herod heard that Herod was going to be a king coming from where he was supposed to be king. If you know anything about Herod, my friend Peter Chung preached a beautiful sermon last Sunday. I got a chance to hear the historical references of Herod, and I'd love for you to check it out. But he mentioned how ruthless Herod was. And Herod didn't want anybody to take his throne, even though he didn't even belong on the throne in the first place. So when he heard about a new king that was supposed to come, he had to find him. Herod entered the story just because he wanted to preserve self. He wanted to preserve his ruler and his riches. He wanted to preserve what was rightfully his and to pass down to his kids. But Jesus had a different plan. But guess who he calls into the story? The chief priest. Now, this is tricky. Because if you know anything about Herod, is he calls in people who were supposed to know about Jesus. Guess what they were supposed to know? Micah 5, chapter 2. Isn't it weird that the people that are supposed to know are the same ones who turned on Jesus later? You would have thought, hey, if you're completing Micah 5, chapter 2, I definitely don't want to kill you hey, if you're fulfilling all these different things that the Old Testament said you would be, I definitely wouldn't want to kill you and put you on trial. No, I definitely wouldn't because I was there when Herod's day when we said, hey, you're supposed to be born in Bethlehem, and now here you are. But it's the weirdest part about the enemies that enter into our life know more about you. They know where you're supposed to be. They know exactly what's going on in your life. And we're like, Pierre, they don't belong here. And God's like, no, they belong here because if they didn't know where I was coming, they couldn't have put it in the story. Second, if they didn't put it in the story, then they also didn't know I was fulfilling the story. If they didn't know I was fulfilling the story, then they didn't know their part because they were supposed to be a part of killing me because I needed to die on the cross for your sins. Every single thing was a part of the plan." Even the chief priest you think shouldn't belong there, even the people that stabbed you in the back, even the father that wasn't there for you, even the mother who told you, you weren't worth nothing, even the ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend that said you were not worthy of marriage, even these people you were like, man, how could these close people hurt me? And God's looking at you like, they were a part of your growth. And the same people you thought would stab you in the back and the same people you thought knew better are the same people that probably sometimes will stab you in your back, and that is okay. You know what we're too busy doing? Protecting ourselves against people when God is your protector. We're too busy trying to figure out what snakes are in the grass. Just cut your grass. Stop letting weeds grow. Stop stop reading your Bible. Stop not praying. Stop saying, I'm going to protect my peace. Mow the grass. Be obedient. You will sneeze the snakes because God will reveal them. But many times we're too focused on chief priests. We're too focused on who's going to stab me now. And I'm like, focus on cutting your grass. That's the lawn he gave you in the first place. Secondly, stop looking at other people's lawn and talking about, I wish that was mine. Focus on your grass. That's why you're getting bit in the first place. Some of us are too focused on somebody else's greener grass. Mm, let me get off that. That's not a part of the sermon. The chief priests enter into the story, but quickly they leave. And then it goes here and it says, I want you to get this. It says in verse 5, they said to him, and watch this, they knew it. They knew it. Watch their words. In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. They already knew. And guess who they telling? Herod. You would think they'd be like, oh, wait, our Messiah's coming. Let's don't tell the man who probably doesn't want nothing good with them. Let's hide it from the man who probably just wants to push him to the side, possibly kill him, which we'll find out later. He was about that killing business. You would think they would be like, nah, man, let's protect our Messiah. They gave him the name and the prophecy and everything. Now, how many of y'all ever did a road trip in Houston? You know why I say that? Because everything in Houston is a road trip. Am I lying? Like you say, hey, I'm a, hey, bro, where you live? Now, you know Houston, bro. We give you sides. Right? If you just meet somebody, we tell you what side of town we're on. They don't even tell you a street. They'd be like, hey, bro, where you from? South side. Hey, bro, where you from? Oh, I'm from the east. I don't know many people from the east, but I'm sure they're there. <laughs> or where you live in the north, and as soon as you say a suburb, they would be like, "Man, that's far, dog. That's far, dog. I ain't going out there, dog." Like I be like, "Hey, where are you from? Cyprus? Oh, no, nah, that brother's mmm. That's out there. That's boondocks." Because everything in Houston is a road trip. Am I lying? Anytime you plan to Houston to drive somewhere in 20 minutes, if anybody says, "I'll see you there in 20 minutes," they lying. Am I lying? the Houstonians, you know I'm not lying. Because the moment you hop on 290 or 610, that's 20. Doesn't matter. You could be down the street, 610, 20 minutes, easy. Getting on, getting off, take you 10. But how many of y'all ever been inconvenienced where you like, man, how many of y'all ever forgot your registration sticker? But now you had to go to the for it or go to DPS, your license get renewed. Y'all don't, some of us are late and we don't do it online. I, I do mine online. I can't wait. And you feel like, man, this is an inconvenience. I shouldn't have to do it. But if you don't do it, when you get pulled over and that cop looks at your stuff and says, man, your sticker. And you realize how much these inconveniences matter to your life. You realize how much this ticket going to cost you because you didn't get your license in time. So even though you don't want DPS in your life, even though you don't want to go to the south side or go in the middle or sit in line at DPS, every inconvenience helps you ride along the way. I need y'all to be okay with these 20-minute rides. I need y'all to be okay with these inconveniences. I need you to be okay even if the government saying do something you don't want to do. Why? Because everything that seems like an inconvenience is still God. Now watch what happens next. There's another part of the story I want you to get, and I don't have much time to break down every single concept, but watch what happens. We start— in verse 13, the story picks back up. And I know you're like, well, summarize, the Magi come and all this stuff. And it seems great. Herod, Herod had a secret in verse 7. He wanted to determine where it would where exactly happen. So he asked the Magi that Magi come, verse 13. And then they figure out that Herod wasn't up to no good. then they run. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for this child and destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was, watch these words, still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill. What had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, this one's going to get tricky, y'all. So you're going to have to bear down just for a quick second. But I want to start right there in verse 13, because he says, hey, Herod want to kill him. So an angel of the Lord says Herod has a desire to end his life. He wants to destroy him. This one should speak to everyone. Because I truly believe that many of us recognize that this life is going to be full of enemies. Let's just be honest. Like, I think we have confused Christianity for the lack of hatred. Because America has been so good to Christians, we don't think that Christianity exists and sometimes you will be persecuted for what you believe in that you don't believe that, hey, just because I believe in something, because I choose not to do this, how many dates you'll have to turn down, how, many, how long your singleness may last because you choose not to have sex before marriage, how these things will truly affect, and they seem like enemies in your life, but God is looking at you and saying, these enemies that you think are enemies are just a part of the plan. The people that you think are detouring your life, the people that you said, I'm an ex out of my life, God's like, I need it, Herod. And it sounds crazy because Herod was a part to do this part of the story. Herod was necessary to prove this part of the story. Behind me, you're going to see a map. I want you to look at this map because what I'm fixing to tell you, because many of us have quit our journey because it's taking too long. Hear it out. We're going to get there in a second. Keep this map in mind. They can keep it up behind me the whole time because I wanted you to have a visual today about what type of traveling they really did. This wasn't no car, y'all. They didn't hop in that Tesla or Corolla. They were on donkey back. They had gone and Angel Lord appeared and said, get up, take the child. Now, that's instructions. Watch when Joseph enters into the story real quick. Can I just focus on my man for a second? What did he do? You know, this is repeated after, uh, on chapter two over and over again. He keeps telling him to get up. And guess what Joseph keeps doing? Getting up. Like, this is the hardest part for Christianity. It's because we don't see the problem. We don't want to get up and do nothing. Because did Joseph know anything about Herod's plan? Did Herod send him a message? Did he text him? Did he hit him on Twitter and say, I'm coming for your kid? Did, nothing. That means he had to believe the angel of the Lord was giving him the same message. But why in the world would Joseph believe a random angel? Or maybe not random at all. How many times did the angel came? And how many times has that angel been right? So then I look at you and say, how many times has God spoke to you, whether at church, in your devotional life, even while you were praying and God gave you a conviction? How many times have God said, get up, go? And you're like, nah, God, I don't see it yet. How many times are you stuck in a relationship and God's like, get up? He ain't the one. Go. You're like, nah, he looked good to me. How many times have God said, hey, man, I'm telling you, this ain't the woman for your life. Get up before you try to get engaged and get, get out of this relationship because I have somebody else that will fulfill your journey. But you're like, no, nah, no, nah, this is good for me. How many times have God said, hey, I need you to go home and love your wife. Get up, go home, love your wife. Get up, go home, love your husband. Get up, be a good youth, be a good child, because focus on your parents. Honor them while you're there. And you're like, nah, that ain't good to me. And God's like, you don't see what I see. I know, Herod, I know why Herod's here. I know exactly why Herod exists in your story. I know why these exes and these people and these dads exist in your story. I know why every trauma in your childhood existed in your story. It may not feel good, but I know why they're there. But will you get up? The portion of the story that you got to focus on, secondly, is it says, he got up while it was still nighttime. Did he wait? How many of y'all parents used to say, delayed obedience is? Disobedience. But many of us like to delay our obedience to God until we feel like it. When is the last time feelings and obedience went together? When is the last time you felt like loving your enemy? When is the last time you felt like loving that coworker? When is the last time you felt like honoring your parents when they did something to you? When is the last time you felt like saying, you know what, I forgive people even if they never asked for it? When is the last time you felt like that? And tell me that delayed obedience isn't disobedience. We're waiting on feelings and feelings never come. I wonder how many people in this sanctuary are still waiting to get up right now because you're waiting for a feeling. You're waiting for the right sermon, for a right psalm. Before you cry, and you break down, and you come to the altar, and that's your feeling. I'm like, nah, scratch the feelings. Just do what the Bible says. Get up. Even while it's still night. A lot of commentaries had different reasons why they come up and say, first reason, because he told him in the night, he got up in the night. That's number one. The second reason you can find a commentary is, what's the best way to escape so nobody knows you're leaving? At night. Some of y'all try to sneak out your house when y'all was kids. You didn't leave in the daytime. You weren't like, hey, what up, mom, finna sneak out? No. You waited till she was asleep, you heard the snoring, then you went out the window. So this wasn't a hard theory and commentaries to figure out. I could just put my touch on this and say, man, the man wasn't dumb. But watch the journey. On that map you see behind me, do you see how far they traveled? Just, Just pay attention to where they were. They were right there. In Bethlehem. Do you see where Egypt is? You know how long that was? 250 to 300 miles. Not in a car. Picture you getting up in the middle of the night and walking to Dallas. Talking about we're gonna get there soon, baby. The angel told me. Tell your wife that right now. Hey, baby, look. <laughs> The Lord has put on my heart that we need to walk to Dallas in obedience., Man, get out of here. Go back to bed, baby. They ain't no angel, that's just bad food. 250 miles walking. Now remember some, some picture that he was walking while leading the donkey. 250. Now remember, was a child born, yet? Yeah? So now you're traveling with a what? A toddler? Can I give you some background dates? I told you so. I know some of y'all don't like history. You know Herod. Herod was going to end his reign by 4 B.C. That means Jesus had to be born by 5 B.C., if not 4 B.C., before he was born. So then you're like, well, Pierre, I thought the story was a little different. That means that Jesus probably wasn't a child at this time because the the persecution came in the last year of Herod's reign. That means in 4 B.C., if Jesus is born in 5 B.C., you're traveling with a one-year-old for 250 miles. Now, I'm not trying to act holy, but I'm telling you, if I had to travel walking for 250 miles with a one year old, are we double strapping that diaper? We're not we not stopping. I don't care that people talk about screen time. Watch as many movies as you want. Just don't cry. But I'm not even talking about like you got AC and you got rubber on road. What are we talking about? Egypt. Have y'all seen Egypt? Do you know how hard it had to be? Do you know how how uncomforting this had to be while you're running from an enemy? Have you ever noticed, y'all, that sometimes when we're running from things, that God says, hey, get up, this ain't the right situation? When is the last time it felt good? When is the last time you had AC on your journey running? When is the last time you felt like God was like, hey, man, I'm going to make this run easy for you? This wasn't easy. So even when God is protecting you, it doesn't mean it feels good, y'all. Even when God is saying, I got a plan for you, doesn't mean the road sounds and feels good. How many of us have turned back to bad things because the road away from the bad thing felt bad? How many of us have said, you know, I'm going to go back to this boyfriend because at least he was okay? How many of us said, I'm going to go back to being this attitude that I had with my husband because at least I got it off my chest? How many of us have said, you know what, I'm going to go back to this job because at least they paid me well. And we keep going back to bad things because new things that God is protecting you from don't feel good. You know how many days it took them? They say it took them 30 to 45 days with a one-year-old and a woman that just probably just gave birth a year ago. But let's keep it going. You have to be wondering, Pierre, what prophecy was he really fulfilling? He, Hosea 11 chapter one. this one's complicated, and I'm going to be brief because I don't have a lot of time. Is that even when you read Hosea chapter 11, chapter 11, verse one, it's not necessarily talking about a messiah. It's really talking about what Israel that God called out of Egypt through what His salvation through Moses. What is he equating? So Matthew's the only person to pull in the correlation and saying, it is very similar that Jesus is coming out of Egypt to save who? His people. So it is the beautiful correlation of saying, even in the departure and running from an enemy, guess what? I still got a plan. I still got it. I still have God's salvation is not done with you yet. Can I say this? Even in your detours, God's not done even if you feel your life is off track, my God is not done. Even if you feel like you should be somewhere else right now, and you're like, Pierre, I have been on the run for three years straight. I can't seem to find this worldly peace that everybody's talking about. I've tried vacation. I've tried traveling. I've tried different relationships. I've tried different friendships. I've tried cutting people out of my life and putting people in. I've tried making my circle bigger. I've tried making my circle smaller. And God's looking at you saying, stop everything you're trying and just walk on this donkey, please. Then we get to this, the most probably conflicting part of the message, because guess what happens in verse 19? But when Herod died, 4 BC, we talked about this, this is important. When Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go into the land of what? Israel. So you think, oh, man, I finally got peace. This man died. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So what did Joseph do again, guys? He got up. Same repetition of verse. Always pay attention. Took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Now, if you look at the map again, what do you see? How long did it have to take him to get back to Israel? It's a return trip. But guess where Jesus had to come from? Guess what he came to save? Israel. Like, I know you're like, Pierre, preach a different message. You're not getting it. But I want you to understand something, man. Think how inconvenient that had to be to run from something, only to go back to the place you came from and do the same trip. How many of you ever forgot something at the house? Yeah, it's me all the time. But how many of us will make educated decisions not to go back for it and survive without it? Like one time I forgot my phone at the house. I was like, man, I got this watch, man. It got a signal. Made it. I didn't want to go back. Think about you going back saying, God, why can't we just live here in Egypt? Can I tell you something about Egypt real quick before we finish this? He's leaving a place that was safe. Do you know the reason why Christianity should struggle with how we treat refugees? Because Jesus was a refugee himself. Guess what he was running from? How many kids did did Herod kill? You know he killed ages six months to two years trying to kill Jesus? He was running from a genocide. And then we look at people who are coming trying to run from genocides, run from war-torn countries, and we're like, man, go back where you came from. I'm like, whoa, do you not know Christianity very well? Because the last time, you know, it wasn't just Jesus that ran. That there was multiple people living in Egypt because they ran from the situation from Herod. So think about this. The way we treat people is sometimes we're looking right at Jesus in his face and saying, I'm going to treat Jesus the same way because Jesus was in the same situation. So the same people you're turning away and saying, find your own way, is the same people that Jesus had to be accepted by the Egyptians when he moved there. So I hope you get your facts right. I'm not trying to get into immigration policy, but what I am saying is when they're here, no matter how they got here, I hope they feel love. Now, That was a sidestep to the sidestep. But this is one of the things, I ain't going to lie. I'm going to admit my own failures. I'm going to be transparent. I told you about how I move on the road. This is one thing I'm going to admit. It's going to be hard to say. I feel like every time I'm on a road trip, it's kind of like not a race, but it's a race. And I'm going to explain myself before you judge me. If I pass a car, that's one less car I got to fool with. Now hear me out, it's gonna make sense when I get there. So let's say somebody's in a fast lane, they don't belong there. If If the speed limit is 75 and you're not going 82, get out the fast lane. If you're not going 82 plus, that means if I have a rabbit, that means somebody going 85, I'm going 85. I'm letting you know this, it's spiritually okay by the law Okay, it's a sin. But the bottom line is, I want you to get it. So guess how? Guess how many people I got to pass trying to get to my speed? It's a lot of people that don't know the rules of the law. Pierre's law. But then you'll hear something in the back that will drive you nuts. Hey, Dad, can we stop real quick? I got to use the restroom. Now, you are going to judge me as a father. I'll stop. But now all that's in my mind is everybody I got to repass because now they pass me back up. Now the same dude that was going 75 in the fast lane, I got to catch up to that dude and now pass him again. You know how much progress I've made? You know, how many lives I've risked. I'm just joking. It's, it's kind of like driving with Rashad. I mean, it's, just, it's very similar. Man, if you, if you ever drive a Rashad, you will feel safe. Speed limits followed, blinkers on, even the parking lot. He'll turn his blinker just to get a parking spot. It's not exaggeration, y'all. Side step to my sermon. One time, this man put his seatbelt in in my car for me to drive him from my parking spot to his parking spot in Living Words parking lot after Bible study at 10 p.m. There's not a car in sight. That's how safe he is, y'all. And the only reason I bring that into relevance is because people like him, I have to pass. But now I want you to figure this out. Now I gotta pass him twice? I just had to make a claim that that's how frustrating it is. I think about every Rashad I've had to pass. Six foot five driving close to the stairwell, he ain't from Houston. But then I look at God and I say, how many people has God made you repass because you didn't learn your lesson? How many times has God said, pull over? You're going to have to use this restroom. There's going to be a Herod in your life. You're going to have to use this restroom. You're going to have to stop. And you're going to repass every single person until you learn to slow down and enjoy the journey. I'm going to need you to pump your brakes, go the speed limit, follow and obey me. Get up when I tell you to get up. Go the speed. I've told you to get up. I want you to drive just like the Holy Spirit called Rashad, and I want you to get there. But some of us are in too much in a rush that we don't even appreciate that we're not supposed to pass those people in the first place. They belong there. And you know how I know that? Because you would think when they got to Israel, guess what they were? Safe, right? Wouldn't you think that? because he said the person who's trying to kill him is what? Dead. Man, this story gets jacked up by the second, and I got to finish this last point. You ready for this? This should burn your blood because it's exactly like passing the same 18-wheeler over and over again. Verse 22 picks up, and it says, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, in the place of his father Herod. Now, this is biographical, so bear with me. We had geographical. Now, here's your biographical. Archelaus reigned from his father's death, 4 B.C., to, watch this, 6. Now, I know you're like, why is that important? 6 A.D. So that means in this journey, they had a delay. Now, hear me out. They had a delay. How many of us like delays? How many of us like when God stops us, makes us stand still in one spot, even though that's not our destination? How many of us like this single period you're in right now? How many of us like this marriage period you're in right now? How many of us like this like, this work period you're in right now where you thought you had more money by now, your savings account period? You're like, God, I don't like the stopping period. God's like, I have all the time in the world. Because every stop means something. Because if I allow you to stay in this period where you don't got a lot of money, you're going to appreciate it when you do. You're going to give more when you do. I'm not talking about to the church, but to everybody else. You're going to have a giving heart because you recognize what it feels like to be broke. When you get into the marriage, you're going to go, help, go back and help the single because this waiting period, you learned, you grew, you cut your lawn, you got up and did what God said. So now in this period, you can help another single feel comfort and feel the peace that you had during this period. But some of us just don't like delays. Delays are necessary. Delays are pertinent. Delays are what you want because when you're still, God talks the loudest. When you stop worrying about how many cars you have to pass to get back to a random spot in the highway, you will stop worried about, man, let me just sit down and chill because at the end of the day, this delay is necessary. Because Archelaus was a necessary, a component to the story because he pushed them from chilling in Israel to what? Can I tell you the biographical information? Herod had some sons. All of them were bad, but Archelaus was the worst. Even to the point, if you know the story of Archelaus, this man was so bad, they had to send him back to Rome and depose him because he was, that, he was torturing that many people. Now, remember how bad Herod was. And think his son, and Herod never got sent back to Rome. Now, I think his son had to be worse. So guess what his son would want to do? fulfill his daddy's torture. So guess when they heard the news, they had a delay, and all of a sudden, you thought you had finally found it. How many of y'all ever been in your life where you thought you finally found it? You finally found the one. You finally found a spot in your marriage. You finally found peace. You finally found this. You finally found your money. You finally found a savings account. And you're like, oh, I found it. And God's like, nope. You don't settle in. Can I say this last second, real quick. How many of us, when we get to a spot of comfort it develops into a place of complacency. Hear this. Some of us in our lives, we have got to a spot of comfort. You're in your career you like, you're in the relationship you like, you're in the church you like, and then it develops into a place of dis- or of complacency. And then God looks at you, I don't like your complacency because complacency means a lack of growth. You are settling and I want to push you to another level. So guess what? They landed in Israel. They had the delay. Everything sounds fine. And all of a sudden, Archelaus was like, mm, no, it's not fine. And they had to travel again. Think of that. Think of you finally putting down a little bit and saying, I'm good. Think of you finally saying, I feel like I found it, and God saying, nope, not yet. So I have to stop the sermon and say, how many of you are in a place of complacency? How many of you are in a place of delay, but you got comfortable in your delay? You ever seen those people in the airport where they fall asleep? They are comfortable with the delay. Not me. I'm I'm anxious. I'm ready to go on the move again. They like, man, shoot, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll beam me up when they're ready to go. And some of us are just like that in our Christianity. Like, man, the the flight's delayed, so I'm just going to go to sleep. Why worry at this point? Why move? And God's like, nah, I didn't want you just sitting there sleeping. I wanted you working. Pull out your laptop and get to work. Get some stuff done you ain't supposed to get done. This delay was for a reason. That's what happens when you're raised by cannings. Every delay means we work in the delay. Then it says this. He was afraid to go there and warned by God in a dream. Remember, this delay was while they were in Egypt. They get to Israel. They don't even get to stop shop yet. So they were cool in Egypt while in, in Archelaus was there. Then they had another delay. And then watch what happens. Then after being warned by God in a what? Dream. He left the regions for Galilee. This is the final stop in our journey before we conclude the sermon. This is the final stop where hopefully you you realize that traffic was good for you. Can I add one more road trip journey for you? How many of us, real quick, ever got stopped by somebody who was doing the speed limit in the right and they were supposed to, or somebody who follows the law and uses their brakes and their blinkers, and you're like so frustrated because they won't get out of your way, but then all of a sudden you stay behind them because you're stuck. And you look to your left and you see a cop. How many of y'all ever experienced that before? Yeah, that's only fast drivers get this. And then what do you say when you pass that cop after you felt like you were stuck? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God, you are so good. And then what do we usually say? God, you put somebody in my way. And even though that's a real testimony, Archelaus was somebody in Joseph's way. Hear me out. Mm, just, just listen to it, is that Archelaus was that thing that you think is somebody in your way. But God is trying to stop you from getting your ticket. So the thing you think is hindering you the trauma you think is hey, holding you back from moving forward, the person in your life that you have not been forgiven, God's like, that is n- I can move past that if you forgive and move. But stay where I have you. Stay in the same lane. Don't blinker off. Don't cut nobody off. Just stay here. I'm saving you from something. Because then they go to a place they belonged all along. Because they had to go to Galilee. Because if you look at the prophecy, that's where the Messiah is supposed to come from. And this point, is the only point I could drive it home. And it says they went to a place called Nazareth. The reason why Galilee and Nazareth have to exist together is that Galilee was a safe place. You know which brother was in Galilee? Antipas. And Antipas was the brother that was actually not bad. So God led them to a place that wasn't what? Bad. Wouldn't you want God to take you to a place that's not bad? But some of us have to listen. We stay in enemy territory talking about we going to make it. We're going to make it. I'll make it. I'm going to stay in this enemy territory. I like this enemy territory. And God's like, no, no, no. I have a better brother for you. And it's exactly what the Bible says you should do. They traveled 106 miles. In Isaiah chapter 9, it talks about what? The Messiah coming from a place called Galilee. And then you get deeper. Now, the part where everybody gets confused, and I have to break this down because I'm not going to lead you astray, is when it says Nazareth. And it says, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now this part of the prophecy is tough because in reality the word Nazae could mean glory or branch. So if it's a branch, it's based off Isaiah 11 chapter 1 where it says a branch of Jesse will be born. If it means holy, then you can use Isaiah chapter 4 verse 3 where the Messiah will be called holy. So no matter what you choose from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, or you could choose Isaiah chapter 4, verse 3, either way, guess what Jesus is fulfilling? Prophecy. So all the way from Isaiah 9, 1, 11, 1, all the way to Isaiah 4:3, he is still fulfilling every ounce of prophecy. So when I look at Jesus and you say, man, I can't believe in the Messiah. And I'm like, well, you better because it's all over the Old Testament, number one. Number two, I can't believe my life is this messed up. And God's you like, every stop along your way was where I wanted you to be. So even if you're like, Pierre I don't like where I'm at. I hated 2021. I can't believe I'm still here. And God's like, I don't know what part of the journey you're on. I can't even tell you what part of the journey you're on. I'm not a prophet. I can't tell you where God has you, but I can tell you that he's taking you somewhere. I just need this church, Living Word Fellowship Church and all the congregants involved to start getting up and doing what the Bible says. Because if you do, God has never left you without a plan. If you do, God is not without doing good by you. If you do, you are blessed and you are righteous and you are obedient. If you do, God will work everything out for your good. Let me say it better, for his good. Because we often misconstrue the verse wanting our good, and God says, it's my good. Because my good is better than your good. And my good never fails you. I genuinely want to tell you this, and I hope you at least pay attention. When you get to your final destination, it's a beautiful thing. But I just took you on the worst road trip known to mankind. Because that's exactly what life is. And Sometimes it ain't fun, y'all. The best way I can put this is we were playing a board game the other day, and I can't say too many names in here. But some of them were there and it's this game called cultural tags right some of y'all played it it's made by some african-americans it's really cool but the whole game is based on it's like playing taboo for black people but the whole front of the card is all it is is an acronym acronym it just means the first letter of the word to make a whole bunch of words right that you have to know the acronym i wasn't raised culturally specific i'm gonna be honest with you there so some of these old sayings i didn't know some of these movies i never watched i never watched martin you can crucify me later Or just talk to Pastor Cannings, because that was his choice. So I didn't know a lot of things that were happening, but what I started to do was what? They would pull up the card. It was girls versus boys, and I just started to guess. If I saw I, I was like I. I saw K, I was like no. And I started to guess the cards out, but it wasn't helping because the person that had the card, they knew the answer because the answer was on the back of the card. But what they had to do was give you context. They couldn't tell you Any word on the back of the card that can only give you context. And it's your job to get the context and then break down the acronym. At one point, I I love the word ginnups. We had the word ginnups. And at another point, we had people that really didn't know. There was a Bible category, and that was a funny category because I actually knew some of those. But one lady messed it up really bad, and I can't say her name. But it started to reveal to me that that's just like Jesus. Jesus sees the back of the card. He knows exactly where you're going. Some of us just have acronyms. All we can see is the first letter. We just know where we're at. All you can see today is the first letter of your journey. God's going to give you context. Like, I'm in a relationship. Is it healthy? He's going to give you context. I'm in a marriage. I know what I do. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He's going to give you what you should do with those letters. But at the end of the day, sometimes you won't know until you're done spelling it out. Letter by letter. The only promise... And the holy hope is that some of y'all are content with just going letter by letter. Stop trying to guess where you're at. Stop trying to fix where you're at. Don't do what I did because some of the things I wasn't supposed to know about Martin and everything else, it was for my good. And I'm telling you right now, some of the things you don't know, or some of the things you haven't experienced, it was for your good. Just let the person from the back of the card who knows the answer give you the context of your life. Stop guessing. Stop getting ahead of God and trying to guess before he gives you context. Focus on the acronym. Focus on what he tells you according to the letter of the word of God and do what it says. Can we pray together? My prayer for you right now, as you pray, I'll give you, always give you an opportunity to pray. And I told you this this sermon would challenge you and me. But that one thing that was true in the story that was repetitive is that Joseph got up and did it. The second thing was true is that God always had a plan and every part of the plan was a part of his purpose. So some of y'all might feel lost today and I just want to pray with you. Some of y'all might feel like, Pierre, I don't understand my journey. I want to pray with you. Some of y'all might be saying, Pierre, you don't know where I'm at. I don't. I don't know what part of the acronym you're on. I don't know what road trip you're on. I don't know what exit or detour you feel like you're on. But what I do know is that if you start being obedient, trust me, my God has a GPS. So today, I want to challenge you for whatever part of the sermon might have led you to where you're at. Whatever God is telling your heart to say, Pierre, you know what? I haven't got up yet. I'm waiting on my feelings. Some of y'all might be saying, Pierre, I'm on that part of that complacency sermon. I'm I'm really complacent. I love sitting in the back, going to church and going home and not doing anything. I love just being a part of saying I'm a Christian and that's it. Some of y'all might be in another part of your life where you're like, Pierre, this part of the journey really spoke to me where it was inconvenient. I feel like my life is full of inconveniences. I don't know where you're at, but I know all four parts of that sermon spoke to me. So at this time, what I'll do is I just want to call you and say, hey, you know, what part do you feel like God said, hey, get up today? Get up and go. And thats I will only let God tell you that because I can only do and tell you what God told me. And we have the comfort and we have the faith to know that every part of your journey is still a part of God's plan. So at this time, while Chris plays, if you feel like God is petitioning you for one part of that sermon, I just want you to stand up and say, God, I get up today. I get up. I recognize exactly where I'm at. You're just going to stand where you are and say, God, I want to talk to you. But the reason why you're getting up is not only A, it, admits, it matches where some of us have struggled. It's to commit and say, I get up, no matter if it's in the middle of church, it's inconvenient and uncomfortable. But if any part of that sermon said, you know what, Pierre, you're right. It's uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to stand and be uncomfortable. But whatever it was today, it doesn't have to, you don't have to stand and this didn't speak to you, but if it did, whatever it is, I want you to confess to God and say, God, I'm okay with this journey. I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to get up. So Chris, lead us.
1: Oh, come to the altar, the Father. Christ, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, For forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
0: If you know me by now, I always give people an opportunity just to stand if it was for you, just whatever God's put on your heart. Because this sermon was so broad. It was so open. Every point had a point of its own. And I know that. But every one of those four stops had a point to it. So whatever God's doing to you today, don't be afraid to say, God, I get up. I am here in my life. I don't like where I'm at, but I do give it to you. And one more time while Chris sings, and then we'll close out our service.
1: Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open. Why forgiveness is born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open Why forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
0: For those who are standing, I just want to pray with you right now. I hope you had time to pray and talk to God because I can't tell you where you're at in your journey. But God can. And I know God has a plan for you. Like there's, it's so clear in Jeremiah chapter 1 that He has a purpose and a plan for your life. So i love to pray with you right now and then we'll continue to conclude service. Dearly dear Father, we. I want to say thank you for everyone who's standing, whether at home or in person. I want to thank you, everybody who went on this road trip in your word, and say, God, man, this part of my life I am struggling with. I trust you, though. Like, I hope that we're all Josephs today. Even if we don't understand, even if we can't see Herod and talk to Herod and ask his intent, even if we're like, God, I don't know why you're telling me to do what I'm doing, but I know I'm going to get up. For those who are just complacent in life and feel like, man, this has been way too long. This delay bothers me. God, I pray that they will work at their faith while they're delayed. I pray they will be still and hear your voice. I pray for those who are like, Pierre, you know what? I'm just not moving. I'm disobedient. Every time there's something in my life, I go the other way. Some of us are running from our problems. Some of us need to run from the problem. So God, I pray that you will give discernment to every person that is at home and in the sanctuary that's standing. And saying, thank you for your word thank you for your truth. And even in your beginning of your story, you were fulfilling prophecy. What a beautiful story that every stop along your journey was purposeful and planned. So I pray that we'll believe the same thing for our lives, that we'll know that everything is purposeful and planned. I pray we won't step out of the plan, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.